This is Do Good and Do Well, the podcast for people who want to make a positive difference in the world without losing themselves in the process. I'm Sarah Fox, life, business and leadership coach. And in this podcast, I'll be sharing stories from social and creative entrepreneurs and leaders to help inspire you as a change maker to do good and do well. Hi everyone and welcome to the Do Good and Do Well podcast. In today's episode, I am talking to the brilliant Asma Shah. Having spent much of her career in the cultural and creative sectors and in organisations such as Channel 4, Roundhouse and Creative Skillset, Asma was inspired to create a truly effective programme for young women in East London and she established You Make It in 2011 as a virtually funding-free pilot. You Make It combines creative workshops, mentoring, work placements, business initiatives and holistic care to help guide working class women of colour to happier and more independent lives. I first heard Usma talking as part of a CLAW leadership programme that I was on and I was so inspired by the work that the organisation does but also by Usma's energy and her depth of passion for the change that she wants to make in the world. She really knows her why. She knows why she's doing what she's doing and that really guides her in her decision making and in the direction of the organisation organization which means that there is huge impact for the young women that she works with. I was really thrilled when she agreed to come on to do good and do well and in this episode we talk about how Asma set up the charity, we talk about the how and the why and why knowing what the transformation is is important and we talk about why it's so vital to be able to look after yourself in this kind of work when the conversations you're having and the stories that you're hearing are really hard and upsetting and difficult. We also talk a lot about You Change It, which is their anti-racism program that they have designed to create a safe space and to have conversations around anti-racism so that people can become confident, self-aware and more knowledgeable allies. And I learn a lot in this conversation. At the end, Usma makes a call to action, particularly to the arts and cultural sector, where she says, you can do better. And actually, there's no excuse when there are amazing programmes like this that exist. So I hope that any listeners out there who really want to be active allies in this really important work go and have a look at their website I'll put all the links in the show notes as usual and go back to your organizations if you're a leader even if you're not a leader go back have these conversations about how you can do better and I really hope you enjoy this conversation Hello Asma and welcome to the do good and do well podcast how are you today? I am tired, if I'm completely honest. Mm -hmm. I have been on Zoom meetings, which is itself quite exhausting, for probably six hours, and I've probably had a 15-minute lunch break. 
if that. But I'm also very excited to be talking to you today. Oh, thank you. Thank you for sharing your time with us because I know you are really busy and I do really, really appreciate it. I'm going to dive straight in. Tell us a bit about yourself first. So I am Asma. I'm the founder and the chief executive of an organisation, a charity actually called You Make It. We work to empower young black and Asian women with the confidence, skills and networks and experiences to lead happier and fulfilling lives in London, which is, of course, a really fantastically diverse city, but it's also a really divided one, increasingly divided in terms of rich and poor, black and white. And in addition to being the founder and chief exec of You Make It, I am also an advisor to Sadiq Khan's board that focuses on equality, diversity and inclusion strategy within the capital. I just want to add as well, actually, I talked about You Make It's Empowerment Programs for Young Women. We also have uh, led on the design and now delivery of a really hard-hitting but high-impact anti-racist development program that are aimed at companies, organisations from a range of sectors who want to move away from just saying they are non-racist to being actively anti-racist in how they work. And I've been emailing about going on that course myself because I was saying that one of the things I've struggled with particularly being in lockdown is this idea of kind of just sitting by myself and I I, obviously I can read books but I can't find that as engaging as actually speaking to other people and really having proper uncomfortable conversations with people rather than me just sitting in my room reading about the subject yeah I mean I think that it's pretty clear you could read as many books as you like yeah and be presented with as many stats and research pieces as you like but I think what really shifts the perspective of a human in terms of how they view themselves in terms of their whiteness and privilege and what whiteness and privilege linked to that denies others is as you say listening to the stories and experiences of others and having conversations with people who are different to you, but also Mm. people who are similar to you who may be on the same journey of self-reflection and wanting to change how they consider race. Mm. Um, So I think that the You Change It programme is really fantastic because we offer a really challenging but safe space in which people are really able to engage with issues on a very human level so as you say not sat at home by themselves reading a book but really really discussing Mm. um, and unpicking and reflecting with other people on similar journeys Mm. yeah I had this moment I'm a bit confused the time maybe it was yesterday or a couple of days ago but my husband and I were talking about the difference between being lucky um, fortunate working hard and sort of where we have come from and I found myself saying out loud we are in a way lucky that we were born in the UK and not somewhere like Africa and I immediately caught myself because what I realized is that all of those stories and that kind of wiring you know when I was younger and the poor people in Africa who need our white support coming to them and saving them and this kind of connection between Africa equals poverty Africa equals needing help and needing support those moments where you you catch us it's not intentional is it just it's this wiring and even just within what you've said it's really interesting because really 
the issues of poverty in Africa and the ongoing legacy of colonialism, which was practiced by the British, mm. is what has put Africa in a place where they are still, to some extent, have been reliant on international aid yeah. and development from a country that actually completely screwed them over. Yeah. So I would suggest Africa is, I mean, I'm in Africa now, actually. I happen to be in South Africa. It's a country with a very recent legacy of apartheid and colonialism. And I, do I think white people are lucky and they hold privilege? Yes, because of their skin. And unfortunately... Because as well, white people have actually implemented and operated some of the most inhumane policies, mm. colonialism, trading in slaves, dehumanizing that you could even imagine. Yeah, and I am complicit in it. I am complicit in that continuation of, of that narrative in many ways. And so when I really looked at the modules that are within your programme, I just thought that is exactly what I need to be engaging with and getting a better understanding and really challenging myself, who I am, what I think, what I do. And where it comes from. And actually, that's our module too. We do what the national curriculum has failed to do and what you've not benefited from, which is a really honest look at the origins and the science of racism and the role of the UK in terms of propelling those ideas that whiteness equals something better yeah. than blackness. And very unfortunately, even going back hundreds of years, there have been wholesale failures to dismantle racism in the UK to the extent that if you were to look at the diaspora from those colonised countries, whether that's Africa or Asia, our access to health, education, our experiences of the criminal justice system, employment still leave us so far behind our white peers because of very deeply ingrained racism within the UK. The You Change It programme is really, really important because I, and I think actually, thank you for your humility in saying that you understand that you need to do more mm. and that actually you need to, I suppose you can unlearn, can't you? And people are not born with those stereotypes of Africa or so on, so forth. So mm. I think you can really unlearn mm. how you think around issues of race. Yeah, I agree. And a lot of the work that I do as a coach is about understanding the stories that we have been told about ourselves and that we tell ourselves as well. And mm. by really recognising that they are stories and that they can be told differently, that that feels really important to me that you are... That well, my hope is that I, that I can un unlearn and do better. So this podcast is called Do Good and Do Well. What does it mean for you? How do you feel when you hear do good? What does it mean when you hear do well? So do good for me means that you look at a problem in society, whether it's racial inequality, poverty, the origins of poverty, 
how you might fix a problem that makes you really, really angry. And that's what doing good for me is. It's about looking at something that makes you angry, something that is unfair and something that you can change. And I think through the work of the charity I set up, through our empowerment programs for young women and through our anti-racism work, I am most certainly doing good. I'm trying to shift the narrative actually of how black and Asian people are treated. Mm -hmm. And I'm trying to shift the perspective of white people. They don't have a role to play in helping shift that narrative of how black and Asian people live. So that's what doing good means for me. Mm. Doing well means that it's all done with high impact. Mm. And that any of the people we work with genuinely go through a change, a transformation, whether that's people on our anti-racism programs or whether that's young women. This call with you saying, how am I? Me being really honest about how Mm. I am. I suppose for me, that's really interesting. There would have been a time when someone said, how are you? And I would have just said, I'm fine. And I would have actually shared that I've had a really, really hectic day. And the reason that I share that I've had a really, really hectic day is that I've got a very, very good sense of how my day is meant to be. My day is not really meant to be back-to-back Zooms. My day Mm. is meant to involve time for myself where I don't ultimately shift, move towards burnout. And so doing well for me is taking care of myself as well as taking care of other people through the programs that we run and deliver. Mm. And so if this was your, if it was a better day of taking care of yourself and not having the back-to-back Zooms, what what would that look like? And how how do you, because I was thinking that the, the work that you do is so inspiring and amazing and it's very heavy as well. You know, those conversations that you must have day after day how do you look after yourself in all of that? So what I would normally have done, and this is an unusual day, is I normally would have started the day by going to the gym. Hasn't happened because we just happened to have had a really hectic diary today. I would have tried to have a little stroll or a walk at lunchtime. Obviously, that's not super encouraged because of COVID. Mm. And I'm a little bit nervous of going for a walk because I happen to right now be in South Africa where we're also on lockdown and there are new variants and strains of COVID. And I probably would have had a few social chit chats, especially during the time of COVID and lockdown, which can be really, really isolating. And I think, and it's full of back-to-back meetings. I would have definitely had a few socials, Mm. Um, probably not on Zoom, maybe just on the phone. And I would have taken longer than 10, 15 minutes for my lunch. (laughs) So I just literally walked something down before the call. You know, that said, it's taken me quite a long time to really get to the point where I think get up and exercise, have a lunch break, go for a walk and so on and so forth. When I set you make it up and for the first several years, I had no break really at all. You know, I was nonstop working evenings, weekends. And it got, and it took me to a place of actually burning out for me to realise that that was just not a sustained way of existing. And the only way that you can do good and well by others is to treat yourself good and well. Yeah. Um, but otherwise, the inevitable happens. You lose fuel, you stop running. Yeah, I agree. Uh, uh, and I often 
say that as change makers, if we are really caring about how other people live and, and them having a really good life, we need to also model what that looks like and, and really, you know, notice and tune into ourselves so that we don't reach burnout and I've seen it so often people really really care about what they're doing and they care about the people that they're working with and they give and they give and they give and eventually there's there's nothing else to give it's the thing about I remember someone saying to me actually if you think about when you're on an airplane and the advice is in case of emergency put your oxygen mask on yourself first and then on your child and I think that's a really that's a thing that's always kept in my stayed in my Mm. head There are moments where I forget. There are moments where I forget and I have to remind myself, hang on, why have I just accepted six meetings one after the other? You know, and I think when I when I take a look at that, I sort of I remind myself of that thing around the oxygen mask. Mm. I wanted to say as well, when you say what does a day look like in terms of being well, I also make sure that obviously we work with women who have difficult lives because of institutional racism and the poverty that is linked to institutional racism within the UK. And we engage with some really difficult issues. And I think what's become really clear to me is that it's important that I get support in terms of what I often have to absorb in terms of stories of others that are very difficult. So myself and my team have recently also managed to secure some funding, not a huge amount, but for us to also benefit from our own individual therapy. Because we have to work hard Mm. in engaging with the issues of women who have very difficult lives. And I think it's really important that we have a resource, a way of talking through what we experience in respect of our work that can help relieve the burden. So we're very fortunate, actually, that some funders have begun to really grasp this, that it's not just enough to fund the activities for people in most in need, but you should really be supporting those frontline workers who Mm. are working with those most in need as well. Yeah, yeah. When I worked for People United, which is all about arts and kindness, creativity, there was very difficult conversations about what it was for someone not to be kind to you, the lack of kindness. And, you know, as a team, we could all talk about it. But actually, some of that was felt it was hard. It was hard to process. And as a coach now, some of the conversations that I have with clients are are the same. So I go to psychotherapy every two weeks just so I can offload and and process some of it so that I can then be better and hold the space for others. Yeah, when I they come to talk to me. Mm, yeah. I was going to ask you about when you set up the organisation as a virtually funding-free pilot. And so I wondered whether you could talk a little bit about how you managed to create an organisation without much funding and what the impact was for you. So, yeah, I set my organisation up for my kitchen table I didn't have any funding previous to setting You Make It Up. I'd done a little bit of freelance work, but the majority of my career had been spent working in large cultural and creative industry organizations who were operating with budget, actually. my How I managed to do it is by sheer tenacity, resilience, and focus. I had something that I needed to get done, and I pulled in as many favors 
and as many ways of in-kind support that I possibly could to get my pilot going. I think it's really interesting, actually, as a brown woman, as an Asian woman, even though I had enormous credibility in terms of program and project management built up through a pretty lengthy career at the time of setting You Make It Up, I think getting investment and funding would have been quite difficult for me without proving my concept first. I'm aware of Oxbridge graduates who have come up with an idea and very quickly got investment without having to prove their concept Mm -hmm. first. So I think there was something about the colour of my skin, actually, that meant that I understood that if Asma Shah rocks up to a funder and says, I've got this great idea, fund it, there would have been an immediate distrust. In fact, there was. People said, get it going first and then come back to us, which is what I then did. Mm -hmm. But in the process, I have to say, my pilot was amazingly successful The women who went through my programme did really, really well. I then got a company, actually called a very good company, run by an amazing woman, Natalie Campbell, to evaluate my pilot for free. And I was able to then take that evaluation study to funders to say, I've proved it, this works. It was a no-brainer that it was needed, working with young, disenfranchised Black and Asian women from one of the poorest boroughs in the city. Of course it was needed, But I did have to make sure that I, by hook or by crook, managed to get it going and proven as an idea, as a service before then leveraging in investment. And actually the pilot burned me out completely. Within a a year of my mother dying, my late single mother dying, I had decided to set you make it up. And by the end of the first pilot's graduation, I was absolutely completely depleted. I talk about how I pulled in favours to get the pilot going. I also had to work various contracts to put bread on my table at the same time there's a real entrepreneurial spirit to what you were just saying I'm just gonna have to do this on my own I'm just gonna have to figure it out and make it happen for Mm. myself knowing what's not available to me if you were talking to someone who is thinking of doing the same thing so I'm fairly new in setting up my organisation and founding this Do Good, Do Well community and I've got lots of big ideas. What what advice would you give someone in that position? I would say less is more. If you've got lots of big ideas, focus on the idea that sings to your heart the most Mm. and don't run with an idea if you don't feel strongly at the forefront of your mind you have a sense of why. Yeah. So I think lots of organisations or lots of companies, let's just say companies, it doesn't matter which sector you're from, I think it's quite easy for people to say what they want to do and to then lose the focus of why they're doing it. I think the reason that you make it, my charity has continued to be incredibly high impact and has sustained now for 10 years in the hardest of times, set up during austerity, We're now in recession. Lots of other third sector organisations were disappearing. During COVID, we actually got an increase in funding. We started to generate more income. I think the reason it's continued to be as effective as it is and to flourish is because I have never, ever lost the focus of why I do what I do. And so I would suggest that if you have lots of big ideas, just focus on the one where you think the why 
sings to your heart Mm. in the biggest and boldest way. Yeah, because we need to understand the transformation that we're making. And in a way, the process and how you do it is a bit irrelevant. Yeah. If someone comes onto my program, this is the transformation that will happen for them. And people are much more interested in that. What difference will be made by me being part of that as opposed Mm. to how? Absolutely. Mm. So uh, how do you keep learning I learn from my lived experience I'm a very reflective person the program our empowerment programs for women were designed very much based on my own lived experience and the reflection that I was able to make about my lived experience as a woman of color from a less privileged background and everything that potentially held me back and that I had to overcome I also learn constantly from the women that we work with and I don't, I'm middle class now, but I don't lose touch with the issues that working class women of colour, black women experience in our city. So my learning is not from people with PhDs and who write books and deliver lectures. My learning is from the people that I exist professionally to serve, who are our young women, whose voices are very often not listened to. Mm. Um, And I think that that's really one of you make its amazing strengths. We are constantly evolving and developing our services. I mean, our programs have changed dramatically since the very first pilot because we are constantly learning by listening to what the need is amongst our client group. And I would say that's probably the most important thing. I mean, I guess if you're a commercial, if you're a company, if you're a restaurant, how do you learn to continuously adapt your menu kind of listen to what you potentially think your customer base wants yeah what's the demographic what what's what are their interests in terms mm. of wine and is veganism now the thing you're constantly responding to what your clients need and want yeah I think what you think that they need and want yeah yeah that listening is so so important I agree thank you I know we're coming to the end and I just wanted to say a huge thank you for sharing your time with us how can people find out more about the work and get in touch so in terms of our empowerment programs for young women and in terms of learning about how to benefit from our anti-racist program you change it I would say Visit our website, www.u, that's Y-O-U-make-it.org, or email me directly, asma, A-S-M-A, at u-make-it.org. I am known, our organisation of just four people, we are known for responding to emails within 24 hours. We're a very efficient, small but efficient team of women of colour. So do get in touch with us. I would love to hear from you. Thank you. I will put all of those links in the show notes that people can Great. access them. Thank can you. I just ask you yeah. sorry, sorry, Sarah, can I just ask, who is your, what's your audience? What's the sector typically? It's probably arts and culture mostly because that's my background so that, you know, people kind of know me from there. So they'll, they'll take some time to listen. But I think it's becoming the change making sure. space. Sure. Um, so I would say, I would urge, I, my background was in the culture sector it's shamefully still a really undiverse sector Mm -hmm. and I know that there is I experienced covert microaggressions and racism within the sector they have to do better yeah and so I really want to hear from 
arts and cultural organizations who are prepared and ready now to acknowledge with humility that they need to be doing more when it comes to being truly diverse and inclusive when it comes to race. And I can definitely help them get to that place where they can say they are actively anti-racist. Mm. Yeah, I had goosebumps as you were talking then. We can do it, we can do it, we we have to do it. There's no, um, we we can, yeah, we do have to do it. I'll make sure all those links are in there and I really hope you get some space today to get whatever it is you need <laughs> to keep two going. Hours, two hours, I'll be able to take a pause and I'll go for my walk. Yeah, keep going. Thank you so much. Thank you so much, Bye. Sarah. Yeah, bye-bye. Bye. I hope you found that insightful and that something resonated with you. If you're a changemaker, a social creative entrepreneur and you'd like to join my community of people who want to do good and do well, and please get in touch. You can join my free Facebook group or you can send me an email at andsarah at sarahfox.co.uk. But before you do that, if you are a white person, I really urge you to go and look at the You Change It anti-racism programme. I'll put the links in the show notes because that is hugely important. Take very good care.